there's a lot of pain that has been associated to those kinds of projects and many, many losses, like you said, some of them have. Um, so, but that is a space that if you really, and it takes time and you, you really have to get yourself into, into one of these projects and, you know, start, start small, start into to one aspect of it. Um, and, and then, you know, ask what your neighbor's doing and figure out what he's doing and then go to the next, next piece of the puzzle <laughs> because there's a lot of <coughs> complex steps in it. But if you get to the point where you can oversee all of it, we're talking about real money here. That's, it's, uh, <coughs> there's not a lot of people that, that really have the skill to talk broadly about it. All right. We are recording today. I have on Jared Hillam. He is the VP of Emerging Technologies at Intricity a big data analytics consulting firm, and he's also in charge of partnerships there. So Jared, thank you for coming on today to speak with me. Yeah, it's my pleasure. So before the call, we talked a little bit about some of the big issues in big data analytics, uh, both from a career switching perspective and from an industry perspective for the companies that you consult with. But if you don't mind, I'd like to start off with just a little bit about your background. So what's your professional background? How did you become interested in big data analytics? Yeah, so um, when I was in college, um, I had the opportunity to take a, uh, we were taking a strategy class and I had the opportunity to take a, a real use case or like one of those Harvard use cases. Yeah. And, um, and I just on a whim decided I'd take the real one. And it was really interesting. Like I, I, they ended up, um, I, I went to a farm um, where there was a, a dairy company that it was a corp dairy corporation. They owned all these farm cattles, cattle. And, um, and what we were supposed to do is figure out why their investment had crashed so badly in the um, embryo trade um, realm. So I had no idea that cattle embryo were part of it, but if you have a dairy farm, mm -hmm. um, you can, um, you know, you can harvest the embryos from the cattle and sell them, especially if you have high producing milk cows. And that, that was, it was bizarre, but it was also really, really interesting. Um, and what I ended up creating was a predictive model. Um, and I, I didn't know it at the time, but I ended up saving the farmer's job because he, uh, they wanted to blame him for all of this, uh, the failure that they had had. Hey, I know we're just in the middle of the video now, but I wanted to let you know that this video actually got cut out while I was interviewing Jared, so we had to switch over to mobile. So the video quality is gonna go down a little bit, but sit tight because this interview really picks up, uh, as Jared goes into some of the skills and jobs that are most lucrative big data analytics industry. So sorry for the interruption. We'll go right back to the interview. Okay. Okay. So um, you were talking about, you're talking about the embryos and how you set up the, the predictive model and then save this guy's job. Yeah. And that was, that was a heck of a lot of fun. And, um, and then I, after that all happened and, and the meetings for that were just awesome because I had made the predictive model so I could adjust things during the meeting. Cause I knew I'd get a lot of crusty business people telling me that, uh, that I was wrong and, and whatnot. And uh, anyway, it was, it was a lot of fun to do. Um, and, and I came to the, I came to see that I could really help people's decisions with data and that they were very closely linked. Soon after that, I was working for a contract manufacturer, but my two brothers were working for a BI. Uh, one was working for Crystal Decisions, which at the time did Crystal Reports, which was an operational reporting tool. And the other one was a partner to, uh, to Crystal but it was more of a startup and they had a new product. So I actually joined them in New York city. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was, that was very interesting. Uh, we ended up doing more consulting, um, uh, you know, operational reporting type consulting, but we got acquired by a, a company called CSI. Mm -hmm. And at the time they were the, they were a company that, um, was geared towards, actual data warehousing, you know, taking and preparing the back end before you actually go visualize data. And that was a really, um, really important move for me because it really created some awareness. Um, but I also, I, I wanted to push more to on the sales side. Um, I started doing more uh, pre-sales based activities. Um, 
showing tools from partnering companies to sort of help engagements move along. Uh, getting on the sales side was, um, was really useful actually. When you're, when you, this is almost like a sales engineer position you were doing. Yeah. Yeah. And I was doing it for a consulting company. So as you could imagine, um, as you're transitioning a customer from just looking at a consulting company to actually doing an engagement, there's quite a bit of sort of handholding that you have to do to, to migrate those people into, uh, the trust to bring you in as a consulting firm. And, uh, and so, it was it was almost in in some of it was product because either a a partnering company would introduce us into the to the organization um but part of it was also transitioning them into you know the confidence to engage with us as a consulting organization um and being on the sales side is actually super helpful for me i mean it was something that that uh, you start to see what are the buy signals that people have? Why do they want to buy? Um, a lot of times we find that, you know, technical folks are very comfortable getting a pizza under the door and just working in their, in their sort of sphere. But, uh, but I think it's important for technical people to get out of that bubble as much as they can and get into sales, actually get into the early part of sales where everything's at risk. The client might not engage with you. It is funny too, because when you get someone who has been in the technical side for a long time and has never really been on sales, they're very nervous because they realize that they could lose the prospect. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, and they're so accustomed to just this, hey, it's so easy to I, I just parachute in here and I get started with the engagement and yeah. you know, and there's nothing to it. But man, there's you know, sales reps just they give blood to make sure that those deals go through and you don't realize mm-hmm. it until you actually have to engage in that stage. Mm-hmm. So So you kinda you kinda got the uh the full experience in uh yeah. in enterprise software. So mm-hmm. you decided to start a YouTube channel on yeah, it's most of your videos seem to focus on data warehousing, business intelligence, data management. Uh why why those topics? You know, we talked before the call a little bit about what's what's a big challenge for the industry and what's a challenge for people coming into the industry as career switchers. So, how about we focus on the first one with this? Why why do you focus on those topics and what are the big issues in the big data analytics industry? Yeah, so um, the reason that all even came up, it's it probably is closer to what was going on in my life at the time, and then and that's kind of so we. I had changed companies recently. So I was at CSI and then I came to Intricity. Um, and, and trying at the time to get SAP, which was this jaggernaut of a company to, mm-hmm. to start engaging with us at Intricity and realizing they had already kind of gone on their path. So I was, I was kind of at a point where I was like, I've got to, I've got to come up with a new strategy. I've got to come up, come up with a new plan was already in the data warehousing BI space, analytics space. I was already, this is, this is what I was already doing. Um, we had met with a, uh, I believe it was a CFO and there was a contract pending and, and he wasn't signing. He hadn't signed the engagement. Everybody else was real happy, excited, interested, uh, but he hadn't signed. And so, we ended up going to an onsite meeting with him and he said, and he closed the door and he said, you know, I, I just, I, I know that this is an important project, but I need you guys to explain to me what a data warehouse is. And you know, we had waited almost six weeks, you know, that this, this could have been explained many uh, moons ago, you know? Um, and I got to thinking, this is sort of during that transition period. I got to thinking, you know, I can do something about this. And so I started, um, you know, I took the subjects that I knew in, in our company. Um, and, and one thing that I've always kind of been somewhat good at is remembering the path of, I don't know anything about this topic to, I do know something about this topic and having like a crumb trail that, that, that led to that. So mm-hmm. I've been usually pretty good at that process. Um, and so I decided, I, I didn't even ask, I didn't ask any of our partners or anything like that. I just said, I just started. Uh, creating a YouTube video. My first one is ridiculous. 
you know, hardly anything, but, but yeah. um, it sort of got me started on this path of, you know, taking things that most people in this industry take for granted. It's they, they sort of take it as assumed knowledge. And I, and I, and I started piecing all that apart. Like, you know, people assume, for example, that, you know, I mean, in our industry that, you know, what a dimension and a measure and a hierarchy is. Okay. Well, but what the, really is that? And most people don't know. And I started realizing most people don't know even what the word business intelligence means. It sounds like an oxymoron. Um, and so I kind of felt like this was, this is how I was going to um, make a contribution. And it was, I just kept doing it and doing it and doing it. I mean, and, and the first videos were like, <clears throat> you know, cause I didn't know how to use uh, um, after effects or anything like that. I, I used PowerPoint and I, I became like a killer PowerPoint animator. Um, most people can't believe that some of those later videos are even PowerPoint. Um, but uh, because when you think about it, like when you're doing these events as you know, when we were at, when I was at CSI, we would organize these webinars and, you know, we would get a certain number of people on the webinar and then I, we, we take the webinar video and then publish it on YouTube and YouTube would get most of the views. And I'm like, well, why don't I just publish something organized on YouTube? Yeah. Um, and that's, that's kind of how we, how we proceeded um, or how I proceeded, how I started doing it. And then, then I started realizing I need leads from it. I need to be sure that we're feeding the company. So I started, writing a lot of white papers, technical white papers and, and ones that I could at least, uh, you know, engage with people on. And, uh, and I had them as registration links to, to acquire leads from the efforts that I was putting in. Um, the topic of data warehousing and BI and whatnot, it's, it, it's something that, you know, there's a lot of people that need it. Every company needs this is one of the things that, you know, people often ask me, well, what industry do you work in? And I'm like, well, I mean, it's every company. And if you, yeah. unless you don't have data, but who, who's that, you know? Yeah. So, um, so we essentially work with every vertical that I can think of and, and um, have done work with every vertical I think of so that the topic is less about that and more about, you know, how do I, how do I create a, a scalable environment that can feed thousands of users in my organization actual information and not just data um you know and it, and it turns out that you know that's that's something that uh was has been a, a bit of a gap and right now we're we're kind of the kings of youtube when it comes to viewership on that topic i mean even some of these big vendors don't don't have the same kind of viewership mm-hmm. um, but we just keep it keep it moving you know we keep adding topics and going through uh different levels of detail so Hmm. And so, so with this, with these topics too, uh, you know, the one, the one we that keeps we keeps getting thrown around is big data analytics, business intelligence, and data warehousing. To me, when I think yeah. of those, uh, when I think of those, I think of data warehousing as helping companies to set up the system to store whatever they want to store. Business intelligence and big data analytics, kind of, in my mind, they seem synonymous as tracking something. Your analytics about something. Um, I'm from a marketing background, so for me, that means higher customers are moving through. You know, some sort of sales process and then how they're interacting with your product. If it's, a, if it's an online yeah. product or a dig- digital product. When I think of big, big data analytics, I think of tracking something in your operations process or supply chain. Is that correct? Or what would you say it is? So let me, let me give yeah. you my best explanation that I think has worked best so far. Um, so, so first let me preface it by saying I, I've become very, um, I've become very interested in clinical psychology lately because I've realized that this process of turning data into information is actually a very human process. It's a very, um, it actually ties really well with uh, just basic human uh, nature. Uh, there's an individual named Jordan Peterson who I, I, I watched one of his uh, lectures. Um, he's a professor out of uh, University of Toronto. And I watched one of his lectures about um, he had done some work in Silicon Valley helping them come up with um, um, figure out who they should hire for CEO level positions in companies for startups. 
And um, there's, a, there's a thing called the big five character traits, and I won't go into all five, but there's, there's two in particular that seem to be good estimators of who will be a good leader for a startup or a, or, or a big organization, and that is openness. Um, and the second is orderliness, right? So those two character traits seem to have a, a really strong link to, uh, so for example, if you're hiring a CEO to, uh, for a, a startup, then you need that person to be very high in openness. And that makes sense, right? Because you don't exactly know what kind of information is going to be coming your way. And you need to be able to adopt flexibly that information. It's also the same for marketers, right? So if I'm a marketer, I'm very high in openness because I don't know which strategy is going to be the best mm -hmm. for both data acquisition as well as what kind of information I'm going to get out of that data. I need to be very high in openness, okay? Um, orderliness is, uh, is almost on the other end of the spectrum where it's about um, some, some rigidity in order to create scalability. So for example, um, uh, take, take a good CEO example would be someone like Jack Welch, who, who, you know, uh, was the CEO of GE and sort of made GE bloom as a company. And it was that he took the processes that the organization had, which were very broken or very slow. And he optimized those processes by having the entire organization adopt Six Sigma. Well, what happens when you do that is you become very closed to new information, right? You're not, you're focused on, you're hyper-focused on making this process work super, super smoothly, right? Um, and those are, it turns out in the data management space, those two need to exist as well, right? I need to have something that gives me the capacity to ask very open-ended questions, but I also need something that can scale to a very repetitive audience, right? It's orderly. It has structure. Structure is predefined. And I need to deliver to that audience on a regular basis. And it could be tens of thousands of people um, all receiving information. I can't scale. And here's the problem. It's very difficult to scale orderliness. Or, excuse me, openness. Openness sort of means that I, uh, and, and openness I would attribute to architecturally to the big data space. Um, the space of what we call data lakes, which is, I can put anything in it. All data sort of lands in this one place. I can go analyze the heck out of it, but I kind of have to rebuild everything every time I analyze it. Uh, there might be a few things, little tools that I have, but I can't do that for a really big audience, right? Because in a really big audience, I can't assume that everybody's going to be re rebuilding everything all the time because mm -hmm. then I have multiple versions of the truth, mm -hmm. right? I've got, a version of the truth that so-and-so created, a version of the truth that another person created. So if I'm the CEO and I'm going, well, what, what did we do? What, what were our cost numbers last year? It's just, it's, it's, it's anybody's guess, you know, yeah. because it's, it's coming from so many sources. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so my best explanation is if you're on uh, data warehousing, sorry, let me add this too. So on the data warehousing side is the orderliness side. What I'm doing on data warehousing is I'm creating a structure that says, I know the Lego components of what people want. They want customer, they want date, they want supplier, they want blah, 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 and you just keep, and you literally conform the data to those, what we call dimensions uh, and measures uh, or facts. Um, and, uh, and you create a database that has that schema, uh, have that structure already predefined, ready to go. Um, and what happens is now I can use any visualization tool, any, any data, uh, uh, any tool to, to see that data that I want. It's not tied to the, the actual data visualization side. It's tied to a database. And now that database can supply those components. Now, people on the marketing slash, uh, um, well, marketing likes data warehousing too, but, you know, people that are on the, you know, I just want to add some weather data or data science side. Um, they tend to, they like the data warehouse. They like certain components, but they still want the flexibility to add and ask questions that nobody's answered in the data warehouse yet. And so that, those are the two. That, those are, that, this is where the big data space and whatnot exists. And this is where the data warehouse exists. Um, 
and and it one the, the big data space solves openness, the data warehouse solves orderliness, um, and most startups can just because they don't have a lot of people, they can just start with a big data set um, or even a small data set, but it's but it's not super orderly. Um, it's as you grow and get a certain size, then you need to build a data warehouse. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. So it's like a, a data warehouse is almost like data that's already cleaned up for you so that there's already some set yes. parameters putting it into some sort yep. of dashboard or something. Yeah. And it's, it's in a database, but it's in a, it's, it's what, we, what we call a schema. Uh, and that schema is what in, in the form of what we call a star schema. So all of the, the attributes about your business, you know, customer date, uh, supplier, um, anything that's not necessarily a measure, but is something that you would say, I want to see this data by this, by, I want to see, you know, cost by, uh, or, or revenue by sales rep and by region and by anytime you say buy, that that's, that is a dimension. Um, those are the attributes of your business that we will conform into a structure, a database structure, uh, which we will conform the data as we load it into that structure. Yeah. Um, and, and thus querying that is super easy. Yeah. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So I'd like to talk a little bit about some of the challenges for getting into the industry. So what do you, what do you see as like the best jobs to get into in big data analytics or warehousing and how much can people make in this industry? What are some of the best ways to make money? Like, what, what, or like how much is there to be made? Um, Cause I know a lot of people aren't familiar with this especially people that are looking for careers to switch into. And I know there's a ton of opportunity in this industry. Yeah. Um, I'm always squeamish about telling people what, what they should theoretically. Do. It's all theoretical. Yeah, yeah. I know. I know. Um, <laughs> what I would say is, um, I'll, let me do this. I'll tell you who I'm looking for, who I'm trying to hire. Right? And Definitely. I literally I'm trying to actively hire people. I am looking for, um, I'm looking for, people that have experience in uh, working with Python, um, work or know how to build data orchestration streams. So in other words, I've, you know, I can't always control what data orchestration tools customers are going to have, right? I know they're going to want to push it. Usually they want to push it to the cloud. Sometimes I don't even know which cloud vendor I'm going to be working with. It could be one day it's Azure, next day it's Amazon. Um, orchestrating that data to move to the cloud is something that is needed a lot. Um, and is, and is, uh, you know, something that we're, we're dealing with all the time. Um, and so, um, working with, with, uh, data synchronization tools, there's a bunch of tools out there. So many that, that it's, uh, it's almost less about the tool and more about, are you comfortable with moving data? Um, so just to give you a sample of tools that are out there, you know, you've got, you've got, um, uh, Aluma, Fivetran, Informatica, um, uh, Matillon, um, SnapLogic, you know, there's just, there's a ton of data movement tools, uh, tools that are designed to help you kind of move data into, uh, the cloud as well as manipulate that data so that you either in flight or um, uh, doing push down optimization to a database, manipulate the data so that uh, it conforms to the dimension of a data warehouse or what, what have you. Um, so that need is, is something that I'm, or, or experience doing that is something that we're constantly looking for. Um, we look a lot for people that are, um, that understand how to model databases for query performance. Right, so this is getting into the realm of data warehousing and star schemas. Here's the thing, big data is, is uh, again, because I'm not doing a lot of conforming of dimensions and things like that in a big data space. Um, it's not that big of a thing for me, right? Loading a bunch of, dumping a bunch of data from left to right um, is, is, is not a uh, very, it's not just not a super challenging task. You know, it, I can, you can do that within days, uh, if not hours. Um, where the work is at is in, uh, you know, 
conforming that data and creating a schema that that an organizations can scale um, in their effort to be more orderly about their data needs. But more than any of this stuff, more than any of that, what I'm looking for are people that are uh, that are willing to uh, to give some blood, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so I, I'll give you an example. So my one of our uh, one of the guys that we hired, um, he's a, uh, a was a CIO, um, and he he. He said to me, you know, I, I had someone who submitted his resume to my company and I told him, you know, I don't, you don't have the skills that, 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 uh, that we need. Uh, and the guy said to him, look, I, I know how to work. I know how to work and I, and I can learn really quick. And, and that theme just kept coming up. I know how to work and you're not going to have to worry about me because I'll figure it out. Because the reality in any of this stuff, I mean, there's a, Eric Weinstein uh, talks about this uh, uh, a lot. Um, I can't remember what it's called. It's like the chasm of, the chasm of uh, uh, potential or something like that. Um, he, he did it on a, a recent interview. And, and I liked it because um, what he was talking about is, is it possible for you as an individual to actually cross the chasm of, uh, you know, that, that, you know, it could be that you don't know this technology, right? It could be that you don't know how to um, use a tool like Aluma, but, but do you have sort of the mix, enough mix of technology that you could learn it pretty quick? And that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for people that, Hey, I can cross the technology chasm. Um, because I'm willing to say, Hey, I know how to work. I know how to do this. I can, I can figure it out. Actually utilize um, your, your inborn abilities. <laughs> yes, exactly. And through effort. And you know, one, one of the things that I've found is, and uh, you know, uh, countries like India and China, they've always had super duper, duper, duper structured education systems. Um, and, and I think they've realized, and I know they've realized this um, uh, one of my brothers, there's went, went out there to talk with them about this. They've realized that they've got to get out of that because it's creating people that are tremendously book smart, but they're so siloed. They're so, so siloed that they feel very uncomfortable sort of getting in a situation. And you know how these are, you know, you, when you get into a situation where you have a new client, new technology, you've got to learn really quickly um, how to do it all. Um, and, um, and so, and so we're looking for people that are comfortable in a situation where they need to learn something new. So you, it's, uh, it's a, it's a constant theme here. Um, and we're very, very, very picky. So it's one of the, the things I joke about is very hard to hire anybody at Intricity, but, uh, but because of that, we, we do tend to hire very senior folks. Hmm. That's interesting. That's pretty cool. Do you guys ever work with anyone that's been on the sales side? Like come, any, any people that come out of like yeah. being engineers or account, account executives? We do. Um, they've, we've mostly put them um, in scenarios where they're doing more project management because mm -hmm. the chasm for them is usually so wide. Yeah. Um, it's so, so wide because I need to have some fundamentals there of a uh, guy needs to know how to write SQL needs to know uh, how to work within um, you know, data orchestration and things like that. So sometimes on the sales side, we will do, uh, we will do that, but it's, um, but it's more on usually the project management side and, and often sales reps have to unlearn, um, some of the risk taking, you know, <laughs> cause on, yeah. on the sales side, you gotta, you gotta be high risk. You gotta push for functionality that even might, might not be there. Right. But we'll yeah. figure it out. Well, on a project management side, you're having to say, here is what we are going to do. And I'm going to hold everybody to that. Um, mm -hmm. And, and I'm not going to try and necessarily upsell at the wrong time. Yeah. Because right? sales reps are always trying to rob upsell. Upsell is important. Upsell is very critical, but upsell has a timing component. That's very important. And you can't be upselling at the point of, you know, um, contract is signed and you're ready to go um 
doing an upsell there is bad timing, you know? So there's a lot, it's funny in the consulting space, uh, unlike any other industry, you cannot hide your faults. I mean, it, it's going to come out in spades really fast. Um, and some people just melt down with it and others are able to just flourish in it. Um, and you know, it, it takes a cup of courage, but then you're, you're, you're good to go. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's pretty, it's pretty wild in the consulting space. Anything like this yeah. similar in marketing, if, if client has a different technology stack, it's like, you, well, you got to learn it like pretty quick. So yeah. Yeah. yeah you know, <laughs> yeah. You know, that's, that's, that's interesting. Um, <clears throat> so for intricity, who is like your average audience member on that, on that, that YouTube channel? Yeah. Would you say? Um, so I mentioned that, that CFO, um, I, I wrote, I started Intricity so that we could help, you know, help these people that, that do have to make these purchasing decisions sort of have a, a, a an easier learning curve. Right. Um, and that's kind of the audience. It's really been business people. It's been, uh, people that are, that, have to make these decisions but what what we've discovered is that the real audience of people that are coming are universities and um i like there's 150 universities uh, last count on youtube because you know you can see the referral links on youtube we have well over 150 universities that are uh that refer us oh, um nice. yeah um another one is um the big consulting companies actually use our videos to train their staff um, <laughs> on stuff. So. Any, any, any ones we know about or you can't mention them? Well, Accenture's a big one. Uh, That's awesome. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the, it's the typical ones that the big five types, yeah. uh, they cognizance another one. Um, but they, but the reason why is because, you know, I, I'm not giving any way trade secrets with it. I, you know, these are, uh, I'm really just, making it easier to learn basics on what this stuff is, you know, mm -hmm. and, you know, for better, or for worse in consulting, you're forced into that. So I'm not surprised that they, they, you know, refer us a lot. Um, and, and it's, uh, but, but the, but who I write for the, when I write a video, when I or create a video, um, I write it for business people. I write it for people that are in the real world, having to deal with this problem in a real way. Um, and I think the other audiences is sort of just tagged along as a result of, of all that. So, okay. That no, it totally makes sense. Um, from the, I want to just get one more for the career switcher people because yeah. I know, I know you don't want to say anything about like dollar amounts specifically for different oh, careers. No, so I'm going to, yeah, no, 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 I'm going to, I'm going to rephrase this too. And I'll let you answer all of it. We can just say this. Okay. What, uh, what are some of the most lucrative positions people can get into in the, the, the big data or data warehousing industries and what skills should they be developing in order to have that base, you know, so they can cross that chasm regardless of the technology stack they're using. Yeah. Uh, data engineering. That's the new title for basically an, uh, an ETL expert or, or someone who deals with the actual movement and, and organization of the data. Data science, um, you know, if you're in the statistics side, that's a, that's a high paying job still. Um, it used to be super high paying because nobody knew what Hadoop was and knew how to deal with Hadoop, uh, the, the, the big data space. Um, that's changed significantly. Um, I would say a data engineer is a high paying one, a data architect. The only problem with a data architect is it's difficult. It's a difficult one to break into. People are looking for data architects to have a significant amount of business uh, exposure. You know, have you worked with X number of businesses and have you modeled for those companies and have you done interviews with executives and things like that? Those are, that's a difficult one to break into, but it's very lucrative. Um, uh, the, technologies that that you need to get you know familiar with um i mentioned some of them uh some of the the vendors um if you know stitch is another one um stitch is a uh sort of a data synchronization tool um python is a big one so it used to be that most work uh, for statistical purposes was done in r there are so many really good python libraries out there of just free code you can just, mm. you just go get it. Um, that, uh, that, that is really become data engineering 
the the foundation for data engineering is sitting inside of Python now, and and, and a lot of people are, uh, and a lot of companies, even if they have a tool, will have some kind of way to, you know, uh, use Python as a as a mechanism just because there's so uh, so much available. Um, there the the knowledge and awareness of how to work with different data sources. So, you know, JSON, Avro, Parquet, um, you know, Hadoop, although Hadoop is, is people are quickly moving off of Hadoop and we'll talk about that in a, in later, but um, having worked with uh, Amazon S3, Redshift, um, again, people get overwhelmed because I mentioned all of them. You don't have to know all of them but you need to get proficient at least one of them and get to the point where you could say, all right, the differences between A and B are not so big. I mean, the chasm is short. Um, um, so Snowflake is another one that is, that is absolutely killing it right now. Absolutely killing it right now. Um, so that's one that if I was, if I was looking to get into this, um, I would, I would look at Snowflake seriously. Um, you know, the other ones would be, uh, you know, the, the Google's uh, cloud suite, um, their, their cloud analytics tools. Um, and then if you want to be on the data visualization side, and this is a little more on the data science end of the equation, uh, you know, you need to get really, really close to your statistics. You know, people that are truly in data science, not just by title, but are really doing this stuff, they're, they're, they're being counted on to really get in bed with deep statistical modeling, uh, Python, R, uh, you know, and then you've got sort of surrounding tools, Dataiku, uh, which is a, uh, it's a tool for sort of managing all of those uh, statistical libraries and uh, how to deal with the data. Um, so there's, yeah, there's, there's a lot of tools a lot of tools to learn out there. I would just say that that um, also you need to know on the visualization side, Tableau. Tableau is yeah. probably the most used. I would say the second one would be Power BI, which is uh, Microsoft's one, and, and and Power BI is 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 making a lot of headway. I would say on the orderly side, if you want to be on the orderly side of of the equation with the data warehouse and whatnot, um, you know, get get yourself familiar with uh, Looker. Um, they're a cloud-based BI company out there that um, they leverage a metadata strategy for querying the data, which is far more scalable than things like, uh, you know, in-memory type solutions. Um, so so it, it plays well to the orderly side of the equation that I, I mentioned earlier. Um, trying to think what else, what other sort of tool sets are out there. Um, a part of it is just getting a sense of the cadence of how one of these projects go too. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and that's a very learnable thing. and something we teach a lot of people, but you know, you, you basically, you will in the early stages of an engagement, you're going to do some kind of strategy to determine, you know, how you're going to create some water out of the chaos. And um, uh, you go through that strategy with executives and technical stakeholders um, and then uh, once you kind of have a plan in place, you can kind of lay out your sprints of development and, uh, you know, either build a data warehouse, if you will, uh, or, or get your data lake in place and, uh, and make a plan to, to enable. The other one uh, that's hot right now that is making a lot of headway because of data lakes and, and sort of unstructured data sets is uh, data catalogs. Mm -hmm. So data catalog vendors like Alation, um, Inf uh, Informatica has a tool uh, for data catalog. Uh, that is a, a very hot space right now uh, because of sort of the, the disorder that happens on the side of uh, big data environments. Um, data cataloging sort of allows a bunch of people to participate in the process of sort of saying, hey, this data is really good for this purpose. And it's almost like a, it's almost like a Yelp for data. Um, so a lot of people are, are a lot of companies that are really complex organizations are, are, are engaging in, uh, in uh, buying data catalogs. Another one that's, that does 
that is very sought after, but is very difficult to get budget money for because it's very, uh, um, how do I say? It's very, the benefits are very opaque, but, mm. but big companies really are investing in it. Um, it's just, it's hard for them to get the actual trigger pulled and that is master data management. Mm-hmm. And usually when I talk about master data management, people's eyes glaze over and stuff. But, but when you talk about data management to somebody that, you know, works at GE or works at, you know, these big companies, these are expensive projects that they've been working on for a long, long time. And so if you know your mm-hmm. stuff there, you, you will, you will stay engaged and you'll stay engaged with very marquee companies. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I don't know if you want me to explain what mass data management is, but it's yeah. There's there's a there's a that is a very big market, and and if you're really good at what you do there, uh, you will uh, you'll be paid well. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's get into it then. Yeah. What's master data management? I mean, you can just give me whatever you think is necessary yeah, for I'll people to understand a, it. But let let me give you a scenario. Let's say that I'm a, a company that has uh, I have Salesforce.com. Okay. I have a I have a point of sale system. I have an accounting system. Um, I have, um, a shipping, maybe, a uh, inventory management system. Okay. The record of customer lives in all of those systems. Yeah. I mean, it does, you know, and, 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 it, and maybe I have a call center system and let's say that the customer dials the call center and says, Hey, um, you know, I've, uh, I've changed phone numbers. I'm getting rid of this phone or, or the, the, let's just say the call center person says I, uh, you know, I noticed you're calling from a different phone. Is this your new phone number? And the person says, yes. Okay. So now the call center system has the correct phone number, but all of the other places where that customer is represented is old or inaccurate. Mm-hmm. Now multiply that times, you know, 10 million customers, um, and times every other database that has that customer record, you've got a serious problem on your hand. You mm-hmm. have a problem in, in that you really don't know your customer and you don't even know which source has the right version of customer and multiply customer by every other domain your company has, supplier, product, you know, all of these different, um, you know, all of these different domains that your company has, you now have to deal with all of those challenges. So big companies suffer under this problem. They suffer mightily under this problem. Uh, it's part of the reason why these big companies buy these gargantuan ERP systems like SAP or Oracle, uh, Oracle applications. Um, and so the, the process of saying, okay, we're going to create a master version of customer. And when we want to ask who is our customer, we go here. Um, actually doing that is, is not simple. That's hard work. It's very, uh, it's very, the the path to success is hard to map because you're talking about a process that companies have. Um, so that's another area we addressed it on our channel quite a bit in in the data governance space, but that's one that is, is complicated and uh, companies spend a lot of money on. Um, but doesn't get a lot of attention because you don't see it every day, right? You don't see this problem every single day. You see it when there's a train wreck. You see it. Uh, you see it when things just get really out of hand and jarbled. Um, and the problem is that the, the, the price tags for those implementations are very high. And they're in the. They're, they're almost always measured in the millions. Um, and they're, they're they're big big projects and companies like. Um, like Cognizant and, and, you know, uh, uh, Accenture and whatnot. They, they love those projects because they're, they're sort of never ending. Um, they kind of go yeah. on forever. So. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. So, I, so this would be like one of these projects where you have maybe a team of, of consultants from Accenture and maybe oh, yeah. a team of engineers from SAP and they're all working together to yep. possibly and, infinity and way, to install this yeah. system for a company. Yeah. And the way we, we deal with it is, is instead of doing it all as one big bang, which, with, which the Accenture's and Cognizant's like to do, 
we try to narrow it down to a very small win, something really, really obtainable. Uh, because what ends up happening is our organizations just go out of control with these projects. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. <laughs> so, so, um, so we, as you do an obtainable win that's quick enough that you can show success, uh, because saying master data management or MDM inside of some of these companies is a swear word. And th these are budgets that have way gone over their, uh, you know, and Accenture and, and <laughs> they probably have stories of, of the projects yeah. lost contracts yeah, lost. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. So they, there's, there are, there's a lot of pain that has been associated to those kinds of projects and many, many losses, like you said, some of them have. Um, so, but that is a space that if you really, and it takes time and you, you really have to get yourself into, into one of these projects and, you know, start, start small, start into to one aspect of it. Um, and, and then, you know, ask what your neighbor's doing and figure out what he's doing and then go to the next, next piece of the puzzle, <laughs> because there's a lot of <coughs> complex steps in it. But if you get to the point where you can oversee all of it, we're talking about real money here. That's, it's, uh, <coughs> there's not a lot of people that, that really have the skill to talk broadly about it because it's such a, uh, uh, challenging, uh, area. That's really interesting. People that do have the skills to do that, are they generally found at some of these big companies just uh, in a sort of in-house master data manager for managing these projects or are they usually independent yeah, consultants at that point? Uh, usually consultants. One of the, <laughs> I, I laugh about this sometimes because we have had consultants that, you know, they, they're done with the travel game. They don't want to be in traveling anymore and they, and they, you know, they have family and whatnot and they need to settle down. And, and the first thing they say is everything is so slow when they join, when, as soon as they join, um, join one company, it, decisions are slow. You know, they don't, ex everything is just so slow and, and you don't get enough exposure and, and exposure is the big one. Um, if you're wanting to get exposure, join a consulting company that, that has feet and is, you know, moving around and, you know, getting new opportunities because, um, you will not get the breadth of exposure that, uh, that, that you need in order to understand what success looks like. You know, if you, if you spend 30 years in one company, that's fine. Um, I mean, I, I have that career path. I've been spending, you know, long periods of time, but I've been inside a consulting company all those times. Um, but if you're in one company uh, during your whole career path, what you're going to find is that you know that uh, one scenario well, but you don't even know if that's successful or not. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's the challenge is if you really want to get into it and understand it really well, I would recommend, you know, at least trying to break into the consulting side of it so that you can get, you can understand what, what does success look like? Yeah. So that'd be consulting, working on these projects for these companies, right? Yeah. Yep. In you know, and, and, okay. and you can break into those, you know, even just having an awareness that master data is a problem, even if you're in marketing, Hey, on the marketing side, I'm receiving customer records all the time. What mm -hmm. are we doing with these customer records downstream? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do we even, I've got a converted lead. Do we even track this lead into the, the ERP? Do they even want to know, you know? So mm -hmm. a lot of times in these companies, the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing and, and they're perfectly fine with that. Um, but when you get someone who really does understand the, the downstream ramifications, then it, it becomes, that person becomes a lot more invaluable than someone who just sort of lives with blinders on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, totally. That, that makes sense. And so you, you mentioned consulting. What, what would you say if you had to say one, <clears throat> if someone's coming and they're trying to switch careers, so they don't have a huge base of knowledge in this industry in mm -hmm. data warehousing or, uh, big data analytics, what would you say is like the number one field career field you'd recommend people look into if they're trying to switch careers? Oh man. Um, it's all going to depend on what you're good at. You know, yeah. Cause the, the skill sets, if you've ever heard of, uh, what is it called? It's called, uh, self authoring. It's called a self authoring program. Um, and, um, let me just self I'm just going to look it up. I just make sure I'm re recommending the right place. Oh, that's right. My internet's down on the other computer. Anyways, I, it's called self-authoring. And if you go to Google, it should, should come up. Um, 
And uh, but self-authoring is like this this way of looking to your past, uh, looking at your past experience, and sort of um, and and then projecting your future, projecting the worst of yourself, the best of yourself, and who you want to be. Um, and um, and uh, that I think is an effective way of getting to um, the meat of of where you should go. If you're really good at, you know, if you're good at the, the, the talking with people side of the house and you, and you, uh, and you want to engage on that side, that is where the, 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 the bigger dollar amounts are, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, then I would recommend you get on the data architecture side, learn data modeling, learn how that, that process works and learn how to talk with people to get out of them, how the data model is designed. Um, you know, if that's not your thing and you, you really want to just sort of stay behind, then, um, then maybe data science and data engineering um, are uh, data engineering, you know, getting, getting comfortable with Python and, and getting to the point where you can sort of t- take on those workloads. Um, and so a lot of it is based on kind of what type of person you are. Um, for example, I'll also say if you're, if you are, um, you know, if, if you like to work independently and stuff like that, uh, but you like to work on the data visualization side, then you're looking, you're looking more, you know, remember that, that uh, openness versus uh, orderliness side, you're looking more for big data and, um, uh, you know, analytics uh, type, type of activities, Tableau type of activities. Um, if you're more on the orderliness side and you, you're skilled on the orderliness side, then you may want to be on the data warehousing end of the spectrum. Um, and, and learning how to do data modeling and organizing, um, uh, you know, uh, schemas and data warehouse schemas so that you can, you can get there. The, the, the great part about the data management space is there is a place for pretty much everybody in here. Um, yep. you know, a lot of different kind of personality types. Um, you know, I found that, um, uh, on the data governance side, um, you've got, uh, you know, the needs there are the ability to, you know, organize teams and processes and being able to get those teams to sort of work together so that we, we can execute on new processes um, that narrow down a description of a customer or a description of a product uh, or what does shipping date mean. Um, and so you're working with a lot of people in that case, but, but the end goal is clean data on the other end. Um, and so, um, it really depends a lot on what kind of personality type you have. Um, what do you want to be getting into? Do you want to be customer facing? You know, those kinds of questions is where I would start that. And then I, I would go down those roads. Yeah, definitely. No, that's, that's, that makes a lot of sense. Um, well, looks like we're already at an hour, so I'm going to, uh, go ahead and cut it here and then we can chat after, but Jared, I really want to thank you for coming on and talking to, uh, talking to me about this and giving people some awesome advice. Awesome.